listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tanil. Tanil, our mum, and Emma, her awesome friend, share deep passion for the snow. They started a podcast together to share all their experiences with you. Between them, they have skied over 95 resorts, both held ski instructor qualifications, lived and worked in resorts, and still spent every hard-earned dollar skiing. They set their lives up around snow travel, and our ski bags are always packed, ready to go. We're certainly not complaining about this, are we? No way. And even better, we get to share all the experiences. Bob Shea, American founder of international brand Surefoot, knows a thing or two about ski boots. While homeschooling his son and staying on a motocross ranch to support his son's racing ventures, he talks to us about the foundational item for skiing itself, the ski boot, and the birth of the Surefoot brand. Hey, Bob, how are you going? Good, good. How are you? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, really well. Really well. Well, welcome, Bob. Um, we are thrilled to have you um, here today on our podcast. It is um, quite amazing to have the owner, well, co-owner of Surefoot, huge American international brand, actually. You have 24 stores internationally. Is there? Is that right, 24? Yes. Yes, yeah. we do. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about the beginning of Surefoot, how you decided that it was a good thing to do. Well, we, I grew up skiing and uh, ski racing and, you know, like with so many people in the sport that just love the sport. I, when I was about, when I stopped ski racing, I, um, I have a, my younger brother who is my partner in the business. He continued, ski, you know, he's younger, he was still ski racing, but I had, um, as a coach in ski racing, I had worked on a lot of kids' boots and, uh, and, and things and I just had the idea I, I've always had a lot of I used to have a lot of problems with ski boots my feet are just hard to fit in ski boots you know they're very wide four foot and high and stuff in there and and so I learned how to make those not hurt so much and then working on first it would be you know fellow ski racers and and uh, things and then as and then when I stopped ski racing I was coaching for a, a little um it was you know, the athletes that were coaching were helping. And that, you know, I came up with the idea that we needed to, there wasn't really places to go to get boots to get really taken care of at that time. Um, and, it, you know, it's a long time ago. We were, I was 20 years old, you know, so it's a while ago. And um, so we basically started with one store in Park City. And my brother and I started together, but he was still ski racing, but we made a deal that he would keep ski racing as long as he wanted. And then he would as soon as he was done, he would come into the company full time. And, uh, you know, he used to go to Australia in, this, in your winters, our summers to train and uh, there, and, and uh, which is quite neat uh, for him to do. Yeah. And, and uh, so that was really the beginning. You know, we I grew up with a father who was, uh, you know, kind of one of those guys who could fix anything and everything. And, you know, I was always helping him. So maybe he passed a little on to me. But um, a husband that thinks he does that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, yeah, I think my, my father, it was interesting. He would, he would fix, he could fix anything about 95%, but he would, he'd leave a little left, you know, on yes. there. <laughs> but, but anyways, that's, you know, how we started. And, and what was interesting when we started is just right from the beginning, I, I really enjoyed what we were doing, you know, being in, in staying in the sport of skiing 
and then we were really helping people. I mean, we had when we started, it was hard to make money because everybody I was helping was a ski racer, you know, people who got equipment for without paying for it, and collegiate racers, and on every level of skiing and uh, and there. But then, you know, what we did is when my brother stopped ski racing, we we opened our second store. So we started in Park City, Utah. Yep. And then we opened our second store in Vail, Colorado. And so he moved to Vail. And so that's, you know, that was really the beginning. And uh, kind of the big changes through time were that, you know, we first, we were the first to really introduce an orthotic into skiing and in, uh, in there. And, and what we did was not just, say, introduce a product that someone else made, but we learned how to make it make really make a difference for people's feet, like the the way that we went about form, forming the orthotic for your foot and everything. First, it was it was tested at the highest level of skiing. You know, we had so many of our friends or people that I coached or um, in there that were, you know, skiing from World Cup to national level to collegiate level. And those were the people we worked on first. And, and so everything had to be, you know, it had to be spot on. It had to be perfect. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're working with athletes that put so much time into something and and that I think it's, you know, we're really formed uh, the ways that we did things. What year was that? What? <laughs> it's a long, long time ago. It's ama- it amazes me when I say it. We started uh, the business in 1982. 82. 82. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Because and traditionally we- ski boots have had a bad rap for fit, mm-hmm. haven't they, the whole yeah. time? Oh, yeah. I think absolutely. You know, I think if you if you ask most people that they don't they don't look at going and getting a new pair of ski boots as a great thing to do. You know, they're they're worried about the problems that they'll have with it and mm-hmm. and things. And then how the industry has responded to that is to just make boots wider and wider. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, that doesn't work for everybody. There's a lot it of doesn't people. the transfer you're slipping in your boot, the transfer to your ski doesn't work. It's yeah. The boot yeah, exactly. is your most important piece of equipment. I mean, it, it just, it holds your foot. It's like everything from the ski comes from your foot, you know, all the movement. So. Is, I can remember time, uh, being in Jindabyne and seeing busloads of people getting there at like 4 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock and going in the rental place and, uh, you know, hiring, getting their boots and stuff, and they didn't even take a minute to put them into the boots, you know, and I, I think it hurts the it hurts the sport, you know, it hurts your experience. Mm. Ski boots are, they're, they're critical to skiing. To be Definitely. A better we used to, um, I used to teach skiing back in Nam as well, um, <laughs> back in the day. And that was a lot of our lessons, you know, like the first day, it'd be like, can you just show me your boot? Oh my gosh, how big is that boot? Or, oh, wow. Or, you know, oh, you've got it, you've got it done up wrong. You've got it. So a lot of our time was spent going back to the rental shop going, hey, yeah. How about you fit them properly so we can actually teach them the joy, the love of this? It's really, really yeah. important. So I, I, I really, I really agree. I mean, obviously, you guys love the sport, and uh, you know, I've followed you for a while on Instagram and, and stuff. And I think it's, um, it's the same thing. You know, you want people to enjoy the sport, and, and I think once we're committed to the sport, you know, we'll put up with our, our boots hurting or something. But people are brand new; they don't, they don't quite understand that. Like, why yeah. would be doing that and uh but that was you know really how we began and then we developed so much of our own stuff because there just wasn't stuff out there 
I mean, we, you know, first the orthotic system that we used, and then we made the first ski, he, heater for ski boots. It was called Winter Heat. And we came out with Winter Heat in the 1992 Olympics in Albertville, France. Every meddling athlete used our heater on their in alpine skiing. And, uh, wow. you know, we, we've had a lot of innovations in the sport that have all really to make it better. And, um, and, there, so, and then go ahead. So mm-hmm. you um, decided to educate yourself around the foot or have you surrounded your people that know this and you're learning from them and you're like, okay, let's build this into the sure foot technology. I think it would be a little bit of both. It was um, first, it was trying to educate myself as much as I could read it, everything learning, being around athletes, I all kinds of athletes, some great tennis players actually helped in the development of orthotics and and, uh, and things. But then over time, it became that we were doing such a volume that we we were the one we were becoming the experts like like here's a, a little thing we just did it right now in this podcast. I just got a, um, a text message from, you know, we just made orthotics for all the San Francisco 49ers huh. in there. And that's a very, you know, now it's become not a whole team would come to us. That's the first time we've done a whole team, but we have many, many world-class athletes that come to us, okay. you know, from all different sports. And so we really became over time, you know, really experts in the feet. It's just changing, changing the face of every sport, isn't it? And, and feet and yeah, all together. It's incredible. The 49ers hold its place in Australia, I think, San Fran 49ers, not, you know, not because of oh, the disgrace you're at Hay now, but let's not talk about that. But but also, like, whenever you went to a holiday for the first time to Amer- overseas to America or Canada, like not a, not a lot of us travelled to Europe. We It was the 49ers that were like, you know, you wanted to buy that hat when you got there. but. Yeah. But we also, like, going, like, for us it was exciting because when we did go overseas, I think that's when we made our purchases. Like, Australians didn't quite trust our brands in Australia, our shops. We kind of do, but we always went, oh, they've got the latest and greatest in America, you know, or when we we went overseas. Yeah. Yeah, that is um, a testament to your technology in Surefoot. Like, I... When we went to Park City, it was like we've got to hunt down Shorefoot. We've got to go to the store. Yeah. We've got to get it. Yeah. So it's definitely. Yeah. How did you did you build the brand based on the athletes that you're saying or your quality? Like obviously both. But. I, I would say I would say the the quality was the biggest biggest thing. You know, we used to our total focus when we started was just you know good customers and 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 as I used to say, we're, we're surefoot, we're ski boot specialists. We better be experts. Like every person that works here, every person needs to know absolutely what they're doing. And so that that was a big thing. But the really big changes came over time when we started adding our own products. And you know, first our own orthotic, which was a big deal. But then we sold just regular ski boots for so long. But when we started building our own, like built our own heater, then built our own liners. That was when it really changed. I mean, the boots now, the products that we sell now are so different. I mean, it's so it's immediate comfort, immediate performance. Mm -hmm. You come in, it takes an hour, 10 minutes to get, you know, injected to get a boot molded to your foot. And it's immediate. You know, I've I've got to say with my short foot boot experience, Jake, well, you know, as you know, Jake worked for Surefoot for three years. Um, and so when I met him and he immediately fitted my boot in Sydney um, and that was in 
2004 and I, I had my same ski boots that I have never once had a problem with until beginning of 2019 when the only reason I got new ski boots <laughs> was that because they were just, just aesthetically I just wanted a brand new pair of boots. There was actually nothing wrong with them. So, yeah. That's that's- not something you want to hear though. That's a funny thing. We hear that all the time, how people have them so long. And it's like, I have to figure out a way to stop that from lasting. Yeah, so pla- yeah planned obsolescence. You need like a little pins to start sticking in after six years. Yeah, <laughs> at least we all get FOMO of the fashion, you know, eventually. kind of. <laughs> I just looked down at a friend and I went, oh, you've got nice, really nice short boots when we went to Canada. <laughs> And I looked down at my daggy ones and I thought, oh, it's time for some pretty ones. <laughs> I'd like mine for performance. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, sorry. Um, so on that, you, you started with ra- like the boots, you started with racing, then you kind of went to the general public, which is amazing. Is backcountry, that's a whole new boot. Would Surefoot ever move into that boot? Is that? Yeah, yeah we already have. You know, I mean, the good thing about Surefoot is everybody in Surefoot is in love with skiing. You don't get to work there if you're not. Mm-hmm. So like the head of our product development, I just saw him posting yesterday that he's still skiing right now and, you know, h- hiking up and skiing. So we have for three years now, we've had um, liners for backcountry for, you know, boots. We have different levels of them and everything. So to really make a huge difference. So we've, we've taken a backcountry boot that so many people suffer with them. They're not even, a, they're, they're just not as good as a regular Alpine boot. And we've made a more performance liner for those boots. So a liner that gives you just performance, but holds the foot in, skis better, and they're in very lightweight. Mm. It's really, but and that's what we all do. People always ask me, how many pairs of boots do you have? Or do you, and, well, I have an Alpine boot. I have a, you know, a back, a side country kind of boot. And I have a touring boot, you know, that's what, you know, if I'm going to do those sports, you know, I want to have the right product. That's, That's so right. interesting. I've never ever thought about it that way to have three different types of boots. Like, yeah, that I mean, it's a luxury, definitely, but I do all those things. So why shouldn't I have skis that suit all that? So exactly. should definitely have boots that ski that suit all that. Yeah. We're working up to it, Tanil. We are. We are, Emma. <laughs> yeah. And so to suddenly when I got my next pair of boots, which was 2019, I was suddenly hit with the shore foot modern force of technology to put my feet into the boot and have it foamed with the heater in there, the full the full works, the full system. When did that technology start? Well, you know, it, it really that that you you got them at such a great time because it's more, I would say, that the perfection of the technology. I mean, we we started experimenting. I mean, I could tell you funny stories of experimenting with foam injected boots the year that we started, but we it was so difficult to get the chemist chemical right and everything. But it, it's so right now for about 15 years, it's been a major part of what we do. But it's four years ago that we we switched to this. It, it's an interesting thing. We were looking to find a, a boot more suited to a low level skier. So we were looking for a material that would work for a more low level skier, you know, someone who didn't need this tight gripping, holding the foot in there. And what we came upon is this, this material that we developed this, it's really a mixture, you know, that we develop a chemical, you know, mixture to get it just right. Mm. And 
the first thought, yes, this will be great for a lower level skier. But what it really turned out to be is phenomenal for everyone. It just has a little bit of forgiveness and softness to it in there, but it, it, it has this like dull grip to your foot. And so that we term it memory foam has just been a huge, huge benefit to the business. Did you and come up we, with a term, by the way? Yeah, well, memory foam no, or was that? No, memory, memory foam is used like in it actually in like bedding, some bedding and different things. So no, we didn't come up with that specific term. You know, we have a chemical term name for it that's not very appealing, but but just the, the process and it, it can't really be duplicated because we 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 spent we have d- tested thousands and thousands of them to get it just right. So that's what you experienced when you're doing. And then in, in just in that year, we started now put the heater, building the heater into the liner, and we keep working on that. I mean, we've been making heaters since the beginning. We came out with the first heater in 1989. And mm-hmm. so we really know a lot about how to, the elements and what to do with them and how to make the battery last and, and long. So you're, you've experienced really many, many years of development. Well, i got to say that coincided with experiencing, uh, I think it was two days of standing in that um, gondola line for two hours, and I was I was toasty. The only reason I left the line was to get a hot chocolate and come back. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that means just be able to stand out there. And and you would have a lot of stories about people stuck in blizzards and out the back, wouldn't you? With these toasty feet. We, we yeah, we've had some we've had funny ones. We've had letters written to us. We literally had a letter that a skier got lost off the back of Mammoth mountain spent the night out there and then his wife wrote the letter saying how thankful we were for the heaters on his boots and mm-hmm. there but you, you read the letter you're kind of like maybe he should have gone out there at the three yeah. o'clock in the afternoon yeah <laughs> that would have been the sensible thing oh yeah. all right that last <laughs> run we all want to get that last run in <laughs> yeah. oh, that's funny that's funny i mean the it's quite an experience to have your you wouldn't want to get claustrophobic, would you? You got your feet in the in the boots, and then it just comes up around you and and just um, holds you in there for a minute. It's sort of yeah, it's worth it though. It gives you that performance, and it gives you that yeah. yeah. And so, so you've done so the insole, like what Emma's talking about, the insole measures over like five hundred and thirty-eight spaces yeah. as well in your foot. So, yeah. how did you develop that and go? Wow, there's got to be. Because, like you said before, you've got a high instep, you've got a wide foot. That's that's fairly much me too. High instep, wide foot, and and not long. So it's, yeah. I think it's, I think it's because I put them into ski boots forever. You know, <laughs> I think that's where my foot is at now. Yeah, I, yeah that, I've always heard that that theory. You see ski racers and their feet sometimes seem a little smaller than they should be, and you're like, were they trapped in ski boots when they, in the formative years? But, <laughs> But yeah, what we do, what when we first started, we used this heat molding system and everything, and it worked quite well. It's just that you had to be such an artist to get it just right. And and I met a guy uh, 20 plus years ago who's just the tinkerer. He's a crazy inventor. And he had this concept of the machine, you know, he had the idea of developing the machine but he didn't really know how to make orthotics or anything he was just like a a tinkerer and so we kind of made a partnership and more an agreement um is what it is is that and he you know developed the machine and we were his biggest customer and we you know in there and so we helped him to 
to do to make the machine work properly. And then over time, we keep doing software development. But it's really amazing how well nothing has ever come out that's even close to doing it as well as that machine. I, I, many times I've had people tell me, oh, we could we could come up with something better in, in there, but they haven't. There's a lot of secrets to that machine that make it work very well. Perfect. I love it. Yeah, it, it does work. It does work. So when you get all your staff together in your 24 store, but you've got, hold on, sorry, I'm just looking, New York, France, UK, Switzerland, Norway. There's a lot of languages. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're training your staff because – you know, a lot of different world languages involved in that. But the same thing is, you know, people are going to come in and they're always going to tell their story to get the boot fitted. What mm-hmm. is the big thing that you tell your staff, like, to, to understand? Like, what's the key message that you want to get out to the public when it comes to boot fitting for across the world? Well, I think um, I think the biggest thing that we have to try to, you know, do with the customer is get the customer to sort of entrust that if they just tell us about their scheme, we can we can guide them, you know, to the right boot, that we have so much experience at it, you know. So many, many people have worked for me for 20 years, 25 years, so many of our staff. So when you're all of the different countries and languages, it, it's really, for me, it's a very interesting thing to see the differences between people in the world. You know, like I could tell you differences between all these different, the way that you have to talk to them, the way that they, you know, the just little, little things that are, we're, we're different, you know, which is quite who, nice. We who's, are. The, who's the fussiest? Um, <laughs> you know, I don't want to get in trouble. This, uh, <laughs> no. um, the, the British are pretty. Uh, you know, <laughs> they're known for whinging. We love yeah. our we, we love whinging poms. We got plenty of whinging <laughs> pom friends. It's all right. Yeah. But would you say um, as well, like when you're fitting ski boots, are you still getting people who assume you come in and five minutes later you're out? Because it's really what a an hour, two hour process. Like settle in and be prepared to be properly fit. I think it's pretty rare that 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 happens now because so many people know Surefoot. So most people who come in already have some knowledge of the the thing. So in there, but you know, once in a while, I once, I had a guy just a few years ago say to me, um, he, he was in the Aspen store and it was taking a little while. And he said, I'm not happy with how long this has taken. I go, we're making a full custom boot for you in an hour and 10 minutes. Isn't that fast enough? Yeah, that is pretty. That is go go on, keep going. Ah, you know, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. But yeah, it takes about a, just about an hour. I mean, I have some guys for who are phenomenal at it and can do it in a bit less, but it takes about an hour. To get and do done. you still do the? Are you reliant on people sort of walking it out of the store and then you know doing a bit of mileage and just settling into it a little bit, or is the technology move where you don't have to do a single thing? You know, it's um, years ago, I decided we have to make these so there's no break in period. And we we do now 95% of the people there's no break in, they put them on, they flex them a few times, they walk out and they don't come back. They're just, you know, they work really well. Jake always tells the story about um, when there was a, a very, very heavy lady who was very, you know, she got her boots fit and everything. She's very unhappy about the boots. 
and he just didn't have the heart to tell her that it wasn't actually, the, he couldn't do any more with the boot. It was just sometimes like if you're really, really heavy, yeah, like you're going to have uncomfortable feet. Is, I mean, is that is that right? Yeah, I think that, you know, I mean, if you look at it, skiing as an athletic sport, Mm-hmm. You're out there doing. And so we we actually had a guy who works for me came up with this and said to the customer when they were complaining, there's red spots on their feet and stuff. And they go, well, if you go running for five miles, would you have red spots on your feet? Mm-hmm. And it's a sport. And so, yeah, sometimes there's challenges. But, you know, when Jake worked there, we almost say it's like the dark ages. We should make him come back and work for a little while. He would not believe how easy it is now compared uh-huh. to that. I mean, those days it was, it was, they really had to work hard to get the person to, you know, fit properly. And, uh, well, I think he, I think he enjoyed, I think he sort of slid quite nicely into that seat beginning of 2019, and, you know, walk in the, in the store. So he would have loved to have just stayed there fitting boats. He, yeah. He's back. Oh, He's back. <laughs> you know, I mean, how did actually Tamil and I were talking about this before, um, Ski boots in Australia. Um, I know Shawfoot came to Australia. You guys were in were North Sydney and Jindabyne at the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, would you say that, I mean, we would maybe have the, the, the population a bit, you know, we've got a bigger population now than sort of 20 years ago, obviously, and maybe more money and more awareness of how much you need to spend on your sport equipment. Maybe we mm-hmm. are traditionally a country of cheap skates and trying to get everything for as cheap as possible but do you think if Shawfoot was there now it would be a different scenario than 20 years ago 15 years yeah, ago? yeah well I think if you understand what what happened at the time though is we when we opened in Australia our intent was to ship our inventory at the end of the season from the U.S. into um, Australia and then and we actually did quite well there. One of the r- real thing that happened is that the dollar was fluctuating so much then it made it impossible to do that. You know, there was a lot of currency change and, and thing. And then I was all of a sudden I had kids and I was traveling all the time. And, and you know, and so that's why we decided to to leave Australia. But at, at that time, we didn't make our own products like we do now. We basically we made our own orthotic, but we we customized off-the-shelf boots, and I think it would be very, very different now. I mean, honestly, we have tons and tons of Australian customers. We really miss you and hope that COVID is over soon so you can go back to traveling the world like you, you normally do. I desperately want to ski Whistler again in Canada, so get my new boots at Shawfoot. Okay, so I just want you to know I've, I own a store in Whistler and have been there many times every year for so long and could not go to Whistler this year. We were were set to, um, we were going to spend our Christmas holiday in Verbier, never been there before, still have not been there. And, yeah, just to mark that day, that date in the calendar where the flight came and went, that was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you've got a a store there, right? (laughs) As you know, yeah, we have a store in Verbier and it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing amazing place i mean if you hit the weather right in verbier it's just incredible you know so did you choose your store locations on where you wanted to ski yes absolutely <laughs> i mean yeah i mean ab- absolutely that's why like our my brother and our life has been skiing we have skied everywhere in the world we've ever wanted to ski 
and we put stores where we wanted to ski. So that's the so success yeah. of the brand then because they're places that you want to go. So you haven't kind of, I guess, destroyed your brand. You've placed it where whereas the best places that people know skiing. You need, a, you need a T-shirt with those places on the back that, you know, people kind of go to the, what is it, Planet Hollywood? What's that place where you get the burgers and everything? And you go oh, all yeah. over hard, the world. Yeah, hard Rock, yeah. Hard, hard rock, rock. Hard Rock Cafe. You need a Surefoot T-shirt. Yeah. And that's like the, the places to go. You know, one thing to understand about Surefoot too is that all of our managers are like owners of the store. Oh. So they, they all own a little bit of, of their store. And so we have so many managers been with us so long and that that is what stops us from opening or gets us to open store is as we develop people that want to open the stores in there. And, and so then we make them in, you know, in places we love to ski. I mean, think about great places in the world that, you know, there are to ski. Yeah. Yeah. Too many, too many. We've got to ski. We've only skied 95 between us and we need more. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We're still young. We're still young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, um, I want to ask you a question about boots. So um, stiffness and softness in a boot, we do get asked this um, from some of the mums. Like um, would you say that the shorefoot um, managers, are they trained to, would, do they spot people that underestimate or overestimate their ability and how do you, how do you match that up? It's a bit like a psychologist that apparently when they say how many drinks have you had and you say five, it actually means 15. So, <laughs> yeah. So how, what, what, what do you, how do you train? How do you train? What do you, what are they spotting? So what, the, what they do is they ask questions specific to, so we don't want to have the person tell us how good of a skier they are because everyone has a, a different, you know, like an image of themselves that is may, may not be the same as how you view it. So we ask them questions about, you know, how old were they when they started skiing? How much have they skied? Where do they ski? And then, you know, you're at the same time, you're looking at their physical stature, their strength, their energy, and trying to decide, you know, what they can do. So I, I think it's, I, I actually think it's almost funny for people to be trying to read reviews and decide what flex boot or something i mean we're all different we have we're different heights we're different weights we're different strength and then our ski ability is different and and you need to match you know those things so that is a critical thing that we train everyone who works for us in it i mean i could tell your ability within let, let's say if we use a scale of say one to 20 mm-hmm. and, and you flexed in a boot inside the store for me a couple of times I could tell your ability within two or three points on a scale of one to 20. I mean, it's, it really, it, you know, just the way that you move in the boot and everything. And that, that is a big, big part of the training that we do to get people in the right boot. And then the great thing about Surefoot is if we're wrong, which doesn't happen that often, but if we are, we'll fix it. Mm. We're, we put you in a boot that's too stiff, too soft. You just go back to the Surefoot and they'll take care of it. Mm. yeah which is great like a guarantee because sometimes you know people things happen (laughs) who knows someone how long do you guarantee your boot for say someone kind of decided that they're going to do two seasons in a row and their skiing goes through the roof yeah we guarantee the boot for the life of the boot okay so let you know and so and and that's different for different people like so let's say you have a friend in, in australia that only skis you know one holiday a year 
and you ski for holidays a year. Well, how long does the boot last? And then people ask that all the time. How long does a boot last? And I'm like, well, it's, it's kind of like cars. You know, some people like to drive their car for a hundred thousand kilometers. Some put 200. So it really depends on you. I mean, you yeah. know, I'll, I'll people, you know, if a person's a full-time ski instructor, which lasts for them a year and a half, maybe season and a half, something like that. Yeah. there. It's so true. I've been I've been driving my car for ten years, and it's so annoying. I'm due for a new one, but Jake keeps paying the the mechanic to tell me there's nothing wrong with it. So it's really <laughs> you're spending your money on ski holidays. That's what's wrong. <laughs> yeah. So if you have a boot that's too uh, too flexy, what's mm-hmm. another word for flexy? Too soft or too stiff? It's is it an easy fix or is it um, it, it would, it, it depends. Okay. So let's say too soft, that would be a pretty difficult fix. If a boot is really too soft for someone too stiff is much easier to correct. You can cut the boot and do things. But I think this, that slope that you're talking about is kind of a slippery slope because you could have, well, let, let's say that we lined up five world-class skiers, five people who were like had skied on the world cup. Mm-hmm. They can, they can like different things. You could have one that likes a, so- a softer boot relative to the other. So it becomes a very personal thing. And so w- when we go to lower level skiers, it's, you know, it's much easier for us to pick exactly what, you know, stiffness. So think about if the boot's too stiff, what's it do for you? It knocks you back. You're not absorbing the terrain. If it's too soft, it's not responsive enough to you and there. And how do you find, um, Tanil and I were talking about this before, that uh, uh, female skiers, um, I mean, of course, you're taking in all that information, where they've skied, what they like, how long they've skied for, but um, is there a sense of underestimating females or not these days? You just go, well, look, they're getting up there with the mileage with the men. Um, no, I don't think so. I think that we can tell um well, I think, you know, there, there'll be a couple ways to look at that. You know, I, I think we can, we can, we can tell by in the boot, how, like, how well you ski, because it's, it, they're not natural things that you're doing when we put a boot on and, and you're having, but you are, you have to be leery all the time of, so of people, you'll, you'll have people that will just, you know, they're just more humble. They'll, they'll not say they're very good. And, um, you know, in there, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's so a woman and a man thing. I, I was think trying to think the last time, the last time it really happened to me was a guy was, you know, saying how oh, he skied a bit in his life and the way, and I'm overhearing him talking to the, to a guy who works for us. And I start asking him questions. The guy grew up ski racing. He ski raced in college. He was a phenomenal skier. It's just that how he, you know that's his personality. So, in, in in general terms, um, in in general terms, when you've got kids and they're getting into ski racing, like mm-hmm. Surefoot is the way to go. So, and and you know you've got coaches out there that go right, get them in the stiffest boot. They're going to be racing and they're going to be in gates and they want to be kind of stuck in their boot. What is your advice to parents for the first time their kids want to get into racing? Where should they be at in the boot section? Like buy boots, obviously. First thing, you know what, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna answer that in two parts. And the first thing I'm gonna say about that: the most important thing for kids before they're ski racing is they can flex their ankle in a ski boot. If they can't flex their ankle, they cannot become a great skier. 
So make sure you don't put your kids in boots that are too stiff. Yep. Then when they get to the ski racing level and you're looking, we really need guidance from the parents. We need guidance from the, the athlete. We need to, we need to really learn about him to decide quite how we really try to use coaches too to make sure, but you need to, you need to use the Surefoot Growing Pains program where if they outgrow the boot, we give them 50% of credit because you do not want to get a kid in too, too big of a boot for their foot, thinking they're going to grow into it. That really hurts their skiing. And a boot too stiff will hurt, will hurt them quite a bit too. And, you know, as a parent, you could watch and see if, if they're just not absorbing terrain with their body, you know, they're just rid too rigid, then it's, you know, it's, it's not good. But that for me is a mate. I I've had two kids grow up ski racing. My brother, my partner has had two kids grow up ski racing and we've been involved their whole lives in it. And we really, really, put a lot of effort into making sure that all of our guys put kids ski racers in the proper boot, you know, for them. Do you notice, um, I noticed that um, when people grow up and they have squished feet with ballet shoes and school shoes, you know, they get the, end up getting the crossed over toes and even females our age, they're starting to have that, those bunion operations and things. Um, would you would you say that's like a, a main reason why they need to have proper fitting boots as well? It's just the 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 force of the boot. The it's so stiff and the damage I, I, to their. Yeah, I think it's. I, I think in skiing, I don't think I you don't see as much damage generally to the foot. But the more important thing is they have to be balanced. If they're not, if they're not, their feet are not allowed to sit in a boot in a balanced position, they can't get great at the sport. So that is a critical thing that the boot fits right so that their foot is in there. All the alignment is, is correct, that their, their foot lays in there properly. They have an orthotic supporting their foot, their ankles and everything match the sides of the boot so that they, they're, they're it's like, you, you want to think like they're in you know, rugby shoes or something where they can move from side to side and quick and, and freedom. They need to have that balance mm. in there. And that is just critical. And, and the, a big thing that can harm kids is the boots are too tall for them. So you really have to, you know, you have to be leery of that getting, you know, your kids, sometimes their feet are growing before they're growing the height. And you have to really watch that to make sure you get them in the right boot. Mm. That is yeah. so true. You you do see a lot of kids with the boots kind of just below their knee, and you're like, yeah, yeah, "How's that it. even gonna happen? Like, how big's your foot in there, mate?" And then they pull it out, and you measure it on their sole, and it's like short, oh, like yeah. that much shorter than their. And you're like, "Ah," but yeah, it I'm is. Not, yeah, that's it, the worst. That's the worst for kids skiing. Yeah, no, I, I think we need to just get the education out there again with the Australian general public and our little you know, our ski hire guys. <laughs> if we could go and have a chat to them again, we might have a lot more ski. I don't think they realise how important they are to the ski industry. You know, our ski hire guys down in Perisher or Hotham or, you know, even in Sydney. Like it is pretty cool that they, because, you know, you're not going to do, if I'm playing tennis, which I'm not very good at, I'm not going to do it if I don't like it or the racket doesn't suit, you know, like it's your equipment is everything in every sport that you choose to do in life. And, Ski boots, ski, as you were saying before, ski boots are unbelievably important. But you know what I really think part of the thing is, 
if the ski the, the person working in the ski hire place mm-hmm. is sort of the lower job of skiing. So anybody who really knows skiing, they quickly get promoted out of that department. Yeah. So, so often the people that are working in there. I, I was in Verbier last year, two years ago, uh, before you know COVID, and a friend of mine flew in and and rented some skis and came and had these skis. We're hiking and the skis are so long. And I'm like, who gave you those skis? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was someone in the, you know, in the rental in the higher place that doesn't know what they're doing. They're not really good skiers. So they don't understand. It's so tr- Yeah, it is true. Isn't it? The ski hire places are, I guess, level entry and they're quite often young fellas in there or young girls and, it's a shame because it's really a really important role. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think again, what happens, let's say that you, you know, you have a 16 year old who grew up in the sport and skied a lot. He'll get promoted immediately to something different than just doing the rental because he knows skiing. Yeah. So he's, you know, selling skis or doing other things that are more, you know, they, they deem more challenging, you know, for him. Do you, do you work in conjunction with any of the ski schools at these resorts that you're at to kind of, have conversations or you're not allowed to do that? No, we do all the time. We have, awesome. we, um, we have so many instructors that send us people and we try to support the instructors as much as we possibly can. You know, we have lots and lots of instructors that use our products. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I mean, I think it's critical. That, and, and most instructors know how critical it is. You know, I mean, ski lessons are not cheap and they're, you know, they're important to people. And if your equipment's wrong, it, it hurts. So we, we really try to have great relations with all the ski schools. At what point in history did the ski sock move from the heavy, thick one to the nowadays, the thin ones? What what era was that? You know, I, I think it really first happened. Ski racers all knew not to wear a thick sock, you know, so they all were wearing thin thin socks. And then, you know, I'd like to say we, we sell, I think, about 300,000 pairs of socks a year. And so I think, you know, we had a bit to do with that is that we have never sold thick socks in, in there. And I think, you know, what the sock needs to do is just move the moisture away from your foot into the liner of the boot. Mm-hmm. If you have a thick sock, it has to be compressed to try to hold your foot. And so you don't want to, you know, have that. It, the socks are so important. It's one of my big, like, I'm always reminding guys to make sure people get socks because, you know, they want to get a, think about if you've got your brand new boot, you got this great boot, and then the first day you put on the wrong thick sock, it was molded to your foot. And then if you have a lousy experience because you're in the wrong sock, mm. socks are important. And, yeah. and socks keep you warmer too. Clean wool, like a, a wool blend sock that's clean is really a big difference in, in keeping you warm and ski boots. Yeah, I was pleased to see you had the Australian brand Labent in your yeah. in your Canyons store. Well, is Labent in all your stores? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's actually been growing in our stores. But just so you know the history behind that, Steve Walsh, who used to be a Surefoot manager, is part of Labent. He's their like sales international sales manager or something. So that's how it came to be. Mm. Uh, nice support. Yeah, we're actually, we're actually um, interviewing Simon. Simon Blundell from Lebanon. So, so you, you're in the ski industry, and then you, and then you've worked out. Okay, people, everyone has feet. <laughs> How can we get out to the world? So you went. You did. Is it New Balance that you did collaborative with for other sports? Well, we actually own. We have some running shoe stores. We have New Balance and 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 
running shoe stores. And the reason we have that is just because of our knowledge of the feet. You know, I mean, I was a runner. My brother and I both ran a lot in training and, and, and stuff. But so in our athletic shoe stores, our running stores, we make orthotics for runners. And we developed an over-the-counter insole called Conforma. That's just, you know, you purchase that. You, your feet are part of the development of it. If you have surefoot boots, we have a million and a half feet that we use to develop arch patterns for, you know, four different arches. And, they're, and they're, it's a phenomenal product. It's incredible. It's, so is everything built in Amer- out of America or is it there different factories everywhere? Like how, well, how big is your it's world? Different, <laughs> it's different factories all over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of, has COVID affected that at all? Like all your different um, factoring? Or- yeah, I mean, obviously COVID really impacted business for quite a bit and, and impacted the world, you know, for quite a bit. But yeah. the big thing with the factories has been up here is, um, so factories closed, you know, for two, some of them two to three months. And then so catching up with mm-hmm. the demand and then shipping has been, there's been big bottlenecks of shipping. Mm-hmm. And so... Luckily, I'm an optimist, and I, when COVID hit and everyone was thinking about cutting their orders and everything, I decided we're not gonna, we're not gonna cut our orders. We're going to keep the product coming that people are going to want to ski, and, yeah. and luckily they did. It's true. That's it's true. Like, yeah, yeah, we like we 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 had a COVID season down here in Australia, and that was quite weird because there was more people in the lift lines than what they were living on the lifts, which is what how oh, they yeah. thought it was going to work, and it was really frustrating, yeah. but. But, you know, we, people do want to ski. I run a ski tour business to Canada, so and I've got people every day, like, when are the borders opening? When are the borders opening? Let's go. I want to be first, you know. So they, when those borders open for Australia, they're, like, straight around the world. You know, March 15th in 2020, it just about shut everything down. I had, I had just come back from Europe. I came back on the 12th. Mm. And then I was kind of self-quarantining anyways, and then they shut the schools and, and everything and uh, – yeah, it's a wild thing. Luckily, we're almost through it, you know, in America now. I know that you guys have been very, we're all back to normal soon. We we want to see you Australians here again. And yeah. My Australian friends are always like, come down and visit. And, you know. You should. <laughs> Have a summer motocross down here. I haven't, been, I haven't been there in a while. I miss it. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. 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 And that'd be awesome to see you down here. So, so what's next for Surefoot? Where do you, where do you go? Like, or do you just... Like what? It's never ending. Is your family in the business? Like your son? Oh, yeah. Bring him in. Yeah. My, my like, brother is my my brother is my partner. My daughter is the head of um, marketing communications. We have. I'll get her uh, onto uh, Emma's t-shirt idea. No. Yeah, I will. <laughs> no, sorry. I immediately thought of it, telling her right when we get done. But you know, Sherwood <laughs> is almost like a family. I mean, I have so many people worked me so long. We all love the sport. We. You know, we, we really so we keep we, we're going to keep opening stores as we have uh, opportunity management, you know, people ready to go into management and we keep improving our products just a little bit every year. We I think it is the coolest thing is that the core people that develop products and sure myself, my brother and uh, Barry Woods is the name who grew up skiing and ski race and was on the US ski team is just we don't ever want to rest. We want to keep making it better and better. And I think it's really, um, it's just, it's fun. It's neat to get to, you know, to get to do something in a sport you love. And and it's just amazing. And, and uh, it's, you know, what a it great sport. So yeah. Great well, sport. I, I I have personal goals to live to 100. 
I see all these um, shots of people, you know, 90 to 100, like heli skiing and, um, you know, plan to have somewhere in the snow somewhere in the world one day. That's kind of where we're working towards. So it's a long-term thing. Yeah, it's, it's too good a sport, isn't it? You've got everything wrapped up all in one. You've got your travel. You've got your amazing people that you meet that is yeah, it's good really? to hear families in it. Like we, I mean, really, if you think about the sport, it offers everything. It can be the most extreme thing that if you want danger, excitement, it has. It can be a family thing. It can be an international travel. It can be a casual exercise. I mean, it it, it can be great dining. It really has everything. You know, it's it's an amazing sport. And we're all we're all lucky to have had parents that helped us find it. You know. Yeah, we are exactly that. Without the parents, like, you know, we drag our kids there every year because they're like, oh, I'm like, poor you. You're going yeah, that's right. And and <laughs> Neil and I always say we don't, our kids don't get sort of Christmas presents per se. We'll just say where our trip is the present. Yeah. So they're fairly lucky. They're fairly yeah. lucky. Our kids are, I mean, I want them to grow up in the industry. My my daughter, it was a proud moment. She's 15 and we we're in Canada last year because we live in, well, <laughs> 2020. We live in Canada for like five months of the year running the ski business. And mm. she did her level one ski instructor at 15 years old. And I was like, oh, oh. I'm so proud. Yay. Oh. Like it was just cool. like I thought, here we go. Like it's yeah. a you know, it, it just equals everyone, doesn't it? The ski industry, like you oh, can, no. you can be, you know, the president of the United States, or you can be Bob that owns the, you know, the mechanic store down the road. It's just open yeah. to everyone, which is pretty. I awesome. think that's, I think that's so true. That and people always ask, oh, what's your every marketing firm or whatever? Well, what's your customer base? And I'm a, our customer base is a busboy, a kid who works in a restaurant and doesn't have enough money to barely buy boots, and it's a billionaire. It's everyone. Everybody who skis is our customer. Yeah. That's exactly what we try to do. We try to take care of everyone who skis, from the Ted Ligeties and Michaela Shippens of the world to the, you know, there you have a, a Jackie Cowderoy is a name, a former ski racer in Australia, you know, to every level of skier, you know, that we um we take. It is so true. It is so true. And you know, and we, we do our best to make sure that everyone is in a boot. I'm gonna have to tell oh, I don't go to Whistler. I'm gonna have to go to Whistler and make the stop off at Surefoot now and go, hey, <laughs> <laughs> let's go here. This is gonna be a, a tour, a surefoot tour. <laughs> would be a good idea actually I'm that's what i get that's what i get to do all the time my my managers employees always say god you're it always snows when you come here and i'm like that's because i just come when it's gonna snow <laughs> <laughs> hold on what's your weather app you use i want to know it <laughs> oh that's awesome well when i get my t-shirt in the mail and i put my little check marks next to the ones i've been to start working our way through the other ones <laughs> yeah it's an amazing an amazing brand sure for it is within the it's world renowned within the industry and yeah thank you for honestly taking the time to talk about you've still got the passion which is you know we love that it's and every skier has still got passion haven't they they just it just doesn't leave them it just keeps building yeah. and building we, we go skiing every summer we in you know year winter we go to argentina skiing argentina and chile i love the sport yeah, yeah. Oh, what's your favorite in Chile? I've, I've never skied there. That's a goal. I, I would say, you know, 
Valle Nevado is the is the best, like kind of the Vale of South America. But I, I like Las Lenas in Argentina just because it's super steep. You know, it has really good access, and it's when it's good in Las Lenas, it's unbelievable. I mean, when it's good, it's just you know, it doesn't have. It's getting a little dated in the you know the amenities and things, but it has a mountain that's you know it, it's. Uh, so tall you know it's big i was trying to convert into meters you know for it's like you know 4500 feet so it's like 1800 you know 1800 meters of steep you know and when it snows there it's unbelievable yeah yeah i I used to work with a guy from there in dia valley actually for an argentinian and a chilean and i'm like oh yeah yeah yeah." and i was like i will get to see you guys one day but i never have and that's in dia valley yeah, I did. Yeah, nice, yeah, nice. loved it. Awesome. Yeah, cool. I loved you, Valley. It was like oh, Disneyland on snow, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorite. I still, my friend still runs the ski school over there. Well, actually, I've still got a lot of friends doing the ski school over there. They love it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, cool. it's good. They probably work with Shorefoot as well. I'm sure of it. I've never asked. Oh, yeah. I should. <laughs> yeah. But it's um so we kind of um I guess you might have answered our last question, but we kind of finish up our little podcast with um where's your favorite place to ski in the world? Mm-hmm. You know, I get asked all the time. And I, I would have to say, you know, in North America, um it, it's really hard to say, but I would say North America, it's Jackson, Whistler, and Aspen. They, they're they're so different, you know. They offer different things in Europe. It's um, Val d'Isère, Verbier. Um, I think are amazing. In South America, Lost Lanes, and yeah. there. again. Have you skied Japan? Uh, no, I have not skied Japan. No. Yeah. Well, you won't find the steeps there, but you'll find the snow. <laughs> Honestly, I hate to say that, but that's why I don't go there. You know, is I like to ski the steep and and. Uh, you know, we, we get a lot of snow in different places. So, but I think I'm going to go to Japan soon. You know, now, now that I ski slower, I'll go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. Well, just look out for the Australians there. It's like Whistler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for today. It's been awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tennille. If you've learned a handy tip or two, then happy days. To catch all our episodes, subscribe on iTunes. It's free. Head over to www.lovingthesnowlife.com.au for more info and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Loving the Snow Life. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, then email us on our website. Thanks to everyone who leaves a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to share our episodes on your social media.